Well, hello again. So, welcome back. Um, so we spent the whole summer looking around this, this idea that we're better when we're together. And that is, is true. When we, when we serve together, we're better. We're better when we worship together, when we go through tough times together, when we have fun together. We're better. And it all started the very first week of summer with this idea of this place needs to be a place of belonging and acceptance. And we just had the best summer that we've ever had in the student ministry. We, we had a 30% increase in attendance from last summer, which is incredible. We had, we had over around 119, give or take a couple, um, participants participate in summer mission trips through the, the student mission trips this summer, which is incredible. And almost, almost 100 of those were students. So we've seen God do some incredible things this summer. And I say all of that to say this. I say all of that to say that God is up to something. God is up to something in this place. And I believe that this year that we're about to enter, this next school year, even though it's a drag for you that you have to go back to school, I believe that God is going to do something big this next school year. That this next year is going to be the best year yet. And I'm extremely excited about what God is going to do in this place. I believe that we're going to see God do things that we've never seen before. And I'm believing that Wednesday nights, that this night that we're at tonight, that these nights will be the best night of your week. It's going to be better than Friday night lights at your football um, stadium. It's going to be better than anything else. It's going to be the best night of the week because we're going to see God do things that we've never seen before. Because we can do more together. We are better Together, momentum happens when we have one goal in mind and we're moving together in one direction. So if we can get behind this idea that we're all in this to move the ball down the field, we will see God do some incredible things and we get to be a part of this. And I'm excited to be a part of this. We're going to look at a story in scripture tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter two. We'll be there in a few moments. But we're going to look at this, this story of this guy who had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And as a result, his life was forever changed. And it all happened because he had four friends who loved him and cared for him enough to do whatever it took to get this one friend to Christ. They had one thing in common, and they were better together. They worked together to get their friend to Jesus Christ. And we, too... We have this calling in life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ, you have a calling from God. We have been commissioned by God to go. It's called the Great Commission. It's not called the Great Suggestion. We're not suggesting you should do this. No, no, no. He says you need to do this. You are called to to do this by God. And so Jesus commanded us to go. And we are to bring our friends to Christ. So tonight is kind of geared towards this idea that we're commissioned by Jesus to tell the world about him. And I want to share some numbers with you. This is the same numbers I shared with you last year. They have changed a little bit. Um, They're not exact numbers. They're rough estimates. 
But I want to share a couple of numbers with you. First number is this. Now, this is middle school and high school attendance from the four or five kind of major school districts here in Topeka. Okay? There's roughly 11,628 students enrolled in these schools. Okay? These are high school and middle school students. Now, there's roughly 102 churches, give or take a few. All right? Now, let's just say that the average church has a attendance of 50 students, which is really high. Most churches aren't like this. We are different. We, uh, that sounded really arrogant. So, so this is not typical, okay? There's a lot of churches who don't have student ministries. So let's just say the average church has 50 students. That would be roughly 5,100 students that are involved in church, which I think that number is lower than that here in Topeka. That leaves over 6,500 students that don't go to church. These are students that you go to school with. These are students that you eat lunch with. These are students that you play ball with, that you're on cheer squad with. These are students that you interact with every single day, unless you're homeschooled. And I don't know what you do. (laughs) But if you go to school, these are students that you are with. And there's more schools represented than just the Topeka schools that's in this room tonight. So that number is much higher. And we need to get around this idea that we're to reach out. We have this thing here at church called You and Two. Where we're to have two people in our lives that we're kind of investing in. That we're kind of intentional with and we're pouring into. And we have this other kind of phrase that we've talked about before called invest and invite. Where you're investing in the lives of one or two students, peers, maybe even adults who don't go to church, who don't know Christ. And you're being intentional with the conversations that you have. You're being intentional about how you act around them. And you're, you're being intentional about things that you do. You're, you're intentional with these two people. And you're investing in their lives so that one day you can invite them to either a relationship with Jesus Christ or maybe invite them to surge or to church and they will accept the invitation. That's the idea behind this. And last year, I gave you guys a challenge. Last year on this day, a year ago, I gave you guys a challenge. I told you guys, let's invite as many people as we can for the fall kickoff, which is next week. And you guys took the challenge. And last year, we had 373 of you guys here for the fall kickoff, which was 150 more than the week before, which is this week. You guys took the challenge. And I believe that this year, I believe that we can see even more than that this year. I believe if we get around this idea that we're to invest and invite and this idea of you and two, that we have two people in our lives. If we all did this, listen to this. If we all did this you and two thing, That would take our number to about 750 students on a Wednesday night. Now, I'm not saying that because numbers are important to me. I'm saying that because those are 500 lives that can be changed when they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 500 lives that can be changed because they heard the gospel and they responded to the gospel. And we, now we usually don't find it difficult to tell people about our favorite movie or our favorite Netflix show, whatever it is. 
But we find it so difficult to share people about Jesus, to share what Jesus has done in our lives. Now, I remember when Tiff and I started dating, or when at least we started talking pretty seriously. Man, I was telling everyone about her. Like my friends, my family, strangers on the street, walls, rocks. I mean, whoever would listen to me, I was telling them about this girl that I met that I was very interested in. But at the same time, Jesus, who died for us, we find it so difficult. And it's understandable, right? It's understandable. When we talk about that tonight, there's a book I read a while back. It's called Christian Atheists. And here's what the author said, what a Christian atheist is. So the Christian atheist is someone who claims to believe in God, which that's most of everyone here. But they live their lives as if he doesn't exist. Think about that. Someone who claims to be a Christian, someone who claims to believe in God, but they live their lives like he doesn't even exist. And I don't want us to be that. I don't want you, I don't want my life to represent this Christian atheist where we believe in God, but we don't live like he exists. And I don't want our student ministry to, to, to portray this, where we sing these songs and we believe in God, but we do ministry like he doesn't exist so let's look at our scripture tonight mark chapter 2 and we will look at the story of these four friends who brought their other friend to christ and this is what scripture says it says and when he this is talking about jesus when he returned to capernaum sometimes after some days it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there were no more so there, there was no more room not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So imagine this. Jesus, he's at home. He's at this home. And, and so many people are in, in this home that they can't even, that they're out the door. And he's preaching the word to these people. And so many people are trying to get in just to hear what Jesus is saying. And this is what it says. And they came bringing to him a paralyzed, a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and when they made an opening they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay so these guys could not get to Jesus they couldn't get to him because of the crowd there's so many people there and they literally raised the roof and they took the roof apart so that they could lower this man to Jesus Verse 5 says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And then this dialogue started happening between the, the scribes there, some of the religious leaders, and, and Jesus. And we're not going to read the whole story, but pretty much they were thinking these things in, his mind, in their minds, in their hearts. It's like, well, how, who, did, who is this man? Who, did, who does he think he is that he can forgive sins? Only God can do that. And Jesus, knowing what they're thinking answers their question which is mind-blowing he answers their think and their their question and then he says son get up get your mat get your bed and go home and this is what verse 12 says says and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified god saying we have never 
seen anything like this before. This is out of our minds. And tonight, we want to focus the rest of our time looking at these four friends. These four friends who brought their other friend to Jesus. And we want to get four attributes or four characteristics of these people, these friends, that we need to portray in our lives in order to bring our friends to Christ. And this is not easy. Like, it's not easy for us to invite our friends to church. It's not easy for us to have conversations about Jesus with our friends. It's not easy for us to share what God is doing in our lives and share our testimony with our friends. But these four characteristics that we're going to talk about tonight, I think, will help us with this. So number one, friend number one is a friend full of compassion. I shared this with you before, but Billy Graham had this quote I read years ago that said this. The difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. Sympathy is, I'm sorry you hurt. Like, yeah, I feel sorry for you. But empathy is, I hurt with you. Like, I feel your pain. It's like, have you seen, like, America's Funniest Videos and someone gets hurt really bad and you kind of can feel it inside, like, you're something inside of you, you kind of, like, you can feel the pain. That's empathy. And then compassion is, I will pay any price to stop your pain, to stop your hurt. So this friend here, these friends saw their other friend in need and they didn't just have sympathy for him. They didn't just feel sorry for this person. They didn't just have empathy for him. They didn't, I feel your pain, I'm so sorry. No, 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 they had compassion for their friend and they were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus Christ. Here's what verse four says. It says, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed their roof. And when they made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. They could have waited until the crowd got out of the way. No, no, no. They worked harder. They did whatever it took. They had compassion on this guy. And they did whatever it took to get the paralyzed man to Jesus. They knew that Jesus could heal his friend. This man had, these men had compassion because their friend was in need. So my question to you is, how is your compassion? How is your compassion? When you see your friends who are far from Christ, do you have compassion towards them? Most of us have sympathy towards our friends, but do you have compassion towards them? If you struggle with this, Pray. Pray and ask God to give you compassion. Pray and ask God to to break your heart for lost people, for hurt people. That's one of the things I pray for my kids almost every single day, so they will be compassionate. If you don't have compassion towards lost people, pray. Number two is determination. They're full full of determination. There are no doubt probably tired from, from carrying their friend, from digging a hole in the roof. They're probably kind of taken back from the, from the crowd of people, but they pressed on. They were no doubt trusting that Jesus would make the trip worthwhile. And while they were determined to get their friend to Jesus, it didn't matter, it didn't matter what obstacles were in their way. It didn't matter what obstacles they faced. They didn't let the hindrance or obstacle Getting away of their friend coming to Jesus. They did whatever it took to get their friend 
to Jesus. And one of the things I hear a lot is, you know, I've, I've invited my friends. I've invited them over and over and over again, but they just won't come with me. They just won't come. And we must continue this attitude of being determined to do whatever it takes to get them there. Not annoying. I don't want you to be annoying to your friend, but be determined. There's a short story in Luke chapter 11. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to kind of tell you what happens. That Jesus tells this parable. And it's a parable that, um, of, this, of this friend who had a, another friend kind of come on this journey and, and went to his house. And he didn't have anything to offer, no bread to offer this friend. So this guy went to another friend's house and knocked on the door at midnight saying, hey, can I have three loaves of bread? And the man was like, no, it is midnight, it is late, my kids are in bed, I cannot get to the door, come back later, pretty much what he said. That's my translation of it. But he just kept knocking, he kept knocking, he was persistent with this. And the idea, the context behind this is Jesus is is teaching on prayer. But he just kept knocking, kept knocking. And it says this in verse 8 of Luke 11. It says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his shameless audacity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. He was persistent. He was determined. He just kept knocking and kept knocking until he got what he came for. And I'm not asking you to be annoying but we have to keep pursuing our friends who are far from Christ. Do not give up on them. Keep inviting them. But more importantly, as in the context of this scripture, keep praying for them. Keep praying that God would break their heart and break them down. He finishes this scripture this way. He says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and, you'll be, and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be open. I want, to hear, I want you to hear from a, one of your peers who a year ago, she claimed to be an atheist. And she was an atheist. But her friends were determined. They did not give up on her. And she finally gave in, and she went on the fall retreat. So I want you to hear from Reagan. It's on. Hello. There you go. So I'm Reagan, everybody. I'm a junior at Washington Hill High School, and this time last year I was an atheist, as Tim said. Um, I had been an atheist all my life. I grew up with a pretty bad home life when it comes to my family members and things like that. My dad was never a father figure in my life. Um, went through a lot of like mental illnesses and addictions and things like that. And so, like, around the age six or seven, I learned to be an adult, and I learned how to take care of my family and how to take care of the house and just, like, how to live for myself, because they're both teachers. They both work about, my mom and my dad, um, both work about five jobs a week, so they're never home, and my brother was diagnosed with a mental form of autism when he was, like, five or six, so growing up, he took all the attention when my parents were home. 
And so just like the meaning of that is basically I learned to live by myself and not put any trust in anyone that was around me. Um, I didn't trust in my friends. I didn't trust in my family. I definitely didn't believe in a God that I could put my trust in. And so growing through middle school and through high school, things just got worse and worse. My mom was diagnosed with a form of cancer. Um, that she was battling along with her seven jobs and things like that. My dad's um, alcoholic addiction just got worse and worse. And, like, things were not looking up for me. I didn't think that things would ever get better. And um, I became really close friends with about four or five girls, like Ruthie and Maddie and Sarah and Jessica, and things like that through middle school. And they all went to Reverb when it was Reverb, but now it's Surge. Um, They all came to this church. And I told them from the get-go, like, I'm an atheist, you're not changing me. I don't think a God up there would give my mom cancer and would make my dad an alcoholic and would make us live in a rental house for the rest of our life. Like, I didn't think a God would do that to us and or do that to me. And so going throughout middle school and high school, I told them, you're not going to get me to change. You're not going to get me to be a, leave, a believer. It's just not going to happen. And so from seventh grade to now. They continued to push me every week, like, hey, come to Reverb, I promise. It's fun. It's fun. And the whole time, like, it's a church. I'm not going to have any fun. And then around fall retreat, um, I had went through another rough patch in my life. I had just got diagnosed with, like, a chronic illness that was in my back and things like that. And um, my third grandparent had passed away within the span of six months. So at that time, I was at probably the lowest point I'd ever been. And I remember Maddie and Ruthie and Jessica and Sarah all coming up to me, and they're like, we need to get you to go on this fall retreat. Now, they failed to mention to me that it was a church camp, okay? They told me it was just like a teenage camp, like, we're just going to do fun things. There's like, you know, canoeing, horseback riding, like, no Jesus at all. They didn't say anything was Jesus. So I was like, yes, let's go. It's going to be so much fun. Um, The day we left for the fall retreat, I had just came back from my grandpa's funeral, so I was pretty sad and things like that, and I get on the bus, and y'all are shouting Christian chants, (laughs) and so I'm staring around, I'm in my yellow, because I'm a sophomore, and I'm looking at everybody, and Ruthie just, like, looks next to me, whispers, and she goes, it's a church camp, (laughs) but I was already on the bus, my parents had already dropped me off, and there was no turning back, so I was about to have the worst week end of my life. I was ready to just cry my eyes out every single day because I thought I was going to be miserable. And my entire bus rider was miserable because it's like a cult when you don't know the um, Christian chants. It's pretty hard to get into it, and I refused to learn, and it was, it was a difficult time. But Friday night... Especially, they showed this video of Barabbas, and everyone at the fall tree, or at least most of them, know God. They're Christians there. And so everyone is bawling their eyes out about this Barabbas video, and I'm looking around like, I don't believe in a God. I don't know what this video is talking about. So I grab my water bottle. I throw some water in my eyes so I can, like, blend in with the people around me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, wow, that was so touching. And then I, like, went back to my small group, and I'm like, who's Barabbas? Why is everybody crying? Like, I don't understand any of this. So by that time, I was, like, really kind of strongly disliking my friends for forcing me to come on this trip. Um, It was not a fun time at all. I didn't really enjoy it. And then Saturday, like, Ruthie and Maddie and Sarah and Jessica, they always come up to me, and they're like, have an open mind. Like, like, I know you don't believe in God, but at least try. Just 
think of what the possibility could be for this week. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll do it because I'll be miserable either way. And so I get to the, like, first, second, and third session, and the entire day they're just talking about a pack and what it means to, like, support each other and be there for your friends. And throughout my life, I had never had a pack. I had never had someone that was supporting me and loving me and someone I could put my trust into. And so I walked up to them after the first session, and I was like, I want a pack. Like, I need to have a pack. And those four girls looked at me. And they told me, you already have a pack. It's one person. And I was like, well, who is it? And they told me, they're like, it's God. You have a pack. And so right then and there, like, it just all hit me. And I don't even know how to explain it. But that day, like, I found Jesus Christ at the fall retreat. I accepted God into my life. And it was just something I never expected to happen. And if they didn't push me every single day, every single week for four years of my life, I would not have gone to Mexico for a missions trip. I would not have gone to Camp Barnabas. I would not be here today. And my life would be so radically different because I would still be an atheist. So. Wow. Um, I think we should just go home. <laughs> Determination. Don't give up on your friends. Don't give up on them. Aren't you glad that no one gave up on you? All right. Friend number three is a friend full of faith. Their friends didn't have a lot to give this other guy, but they did have faith that Jesus could do something. Verse five says, when Jesus saw their faith, not necessarily the paralyzed man, but the four men who was carrying, when Jesus saw their faith, that they believed that Jesus could do something, Jesus healed the paralyzed man. They had faith. How are you doing with faith? If you're like me, sometimes I, I see certain people in, in my life, like there's no way that God can do that. There's no way that God can heal them. Maybe if I knew Reagan a year ago, I'd be like, there's no way that God could do that. We kind of have that mindset sometimes that God can't do certain things. But we just heard a testimony of someone who was so far from Christ, someone who didn't even believe there was a God, and she is now a very committed, devoted follower of Jesus Christ who serves every single week. We've got to have faith that God can save our friends. I mean, Paul, he was one of the worst sinners. He killed Christians for crying out loud. He became one of the biggest evangelists of all time. We need to ask God for faith. Remember the, the scripture, maybe you know about the scripture, of this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and she just couldn't stop bleeding. And she had faith that if she, if she could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, if she can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garments, then she will be healed. She had faith that God could do that. And she fought through the crowd and she touched the hem. And Jesus stopped. It's like, someone touched me. And his disciples are like, there's a lot of people here. Of course they touched you. And they're like, no, no, no. Someone had faith. This woman had faith. These four men had faith that God could heal their friend. As great as their sickness, his sickness was, greater was their faith in Jesus. Do you have faith that God can save 
your friends. Do you have faith that God can save your friends that are far from Christ? We're not asking your friends, or even you for that matter, to make sure your life is cleaned up before you come to this place. No, we want you to come as you are. We want you to come however you are, which means this place can be messy. There's people who are messed up in this place. There's people who, who lives are not together in this place. And that is okay. This place is a safe place for you. With all your junk and all your baggage, it is okay for you to be here. And we, if we get behind this idea that, that you and two and reaching out to our friends who are far from Christ, it's going to get a lot messier in here. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with people who are not okay. But we also have, have to be a place that accepts these people and, and th- th- to make sure this place is a place of belonging. Friend number four. It's a friend that's full of courage. Let's be honest. Most of us don't share our faith because we're afraid. Most of us don't share our story because we're afraid. Most of us don't invite anyone to church because we're afraid. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of what people, how people may label us. We may even be afraid. Don't, don't miss this. We may be afraid that they will actually come. We may be afraid that they will actually come and be a part of this. Because for a lot of us, this space, Wednesday nights, it's your space. You're comfortable here. And if your friends that you hang out in different environments come to this environment, you may not like that. You may not want them here. And you're hoping that someone else invites them to church, to their church. That you want them to, to come to know Christ, but you don't necessarily want them here. You're afraid that they will actually accept your invitation. So here's a question. Two years ago, fall retreat, my very first fall retreat. How many of you guys remember the white flags? Anybody? Very first fall retreat, we did this, I did this message on Joshua chapter 1, where Joshua is about to enter the promised land. Moses had been the leader for years and years and years. They'd been in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses had led the people to this certain point. And then Moses dies and Joshua is taken over. Joshua is now the leader and he's about to take them into the promised land that God promised Abraham years ago. And this is what scripture says. Starting in verse 5, it says, Just as Moses Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I would not leave you nor forsake you, which is a sweet, sweet promise. This is the exact same promise that God promised us with the Great Commission. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. At the very end of that, he says, behold, I am with you always. He's with us. He's not going to leave us alone with this. He says, just as I was with Moses for all those years, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, he tells them. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you may have good good success wherever you go. So he says, this, this law, the word of God, don't turn from it. He says, this book... 
of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You shall have this word in your mouth. Meditate on it. Think about it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that was written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? And here's a third time he says it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's like, don't be scared. Like I've been with Moses for all these years. I provided for y'all. He probably didn't say y'all. Because I, 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 I provided for you guys. I'm with you. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. You've got this. Then verses 10 and 11 says, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days we're going to pass over this Jordan and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. It's like, here it is. Get ready, guys, because we're about to cross over the Jordan, which was a miracle in and of itself. It says, get ready. It says, remember the word of God. Meditate on it day and night. Think about it. Remember the word and be ready to go take the land. Go take the land. And two years ago at the fall retreat, you guys that were there came and wrote names on these little white flags. And you put them in the ground, the ground, which was the stage. He said, I'm taking the land. I'm taking it. I'm going to remember the word of God. And I'm going to take the land. And you put names of people who are far from Christ. Maybe you're you and too. So Joshua, he gets this message to his people. He's like, all right, God spoke to me. In three days, we're going to take all these people and cross the Jordan and take the land. And God says, remember the law. Remember the word. And take the land. These things go hand in hand. These things go together. This is God's message to Joshua. And this is Joshua's message to his people. And this is our message still today. Some of you remember the story. They cross the Jordan. And long story short, they get up to this point where they can see Jericho. The land that God promised them. And this wall surrounded Jericho. And the walls are around Roughly five feet wide and 13 or so feet tall. And God provides the plan. And for six days, they march around this city once. They wake up in the morning, they put the worship band up front, and they march around the city. And then they call it quits for that day. Day two, they get up and they march around. And they call it quits. Day three, day four, day five. Day six, they get up every day and walk around the city once, and they're done. Then on the seventh day, the last day, they get up and they walk around the city seven times. And they give this, they blow the horns, they give this loud shout, and the walls came down. And they took the land that God promised them. They took the land that God promised them years and years and years Go. Okay. Nice story, but what's the point? They had to be strong and courageous. They had to have courage to do this because this is no typical battle plan. 
It's not a typical battle plan for you to get up and put your worship leaders at front and walk around the city. I don't want Wes to be my front person in the battle. No offense to Wes with this guitar. Like that's what they did. No, that doesn't make any sense. That battle plan doesn't make any sense whatsoever because it's three times be strong and courageous, be strong. I am with you. We got this. We got this. And here's my challenge to you. This is a challenge that's very different. I want to challenge you all to do something this week. If you're able, some of you can't drive, so you can't do this here. Some of you live too far away, so you can't come here. But here's my challenge to you. If you're able, I want to challenge you to come to this property for the next six days. And in a parking lot, just make a circle around the outline of the parking lot one time for the next six days. And pray. Pray for next Wednesday night for a fall kickoff. That's a long walk. What do I pray for? I'm glad you asked. Pray for your friends who are far from Christ. Pray that the walls of their sin will fall down. Pray that they will accept the invitation when you ask them to come with you. But if you're able, if you're able to get here, if your parents would bring you if you can't drive, if you're able, for the next six days, you can just walk around the parking lot and just pray. Then if you're able, next Wednesday, if you can come a little bit early, or maybe when we're having our activities, if you can, I want, I want to invite you to come in this room. And just make a circle around these chairs seven times. And pray. Pray for the people that's going to be sitting in these seats that you're sitting in. Pray that the walls of sin will fall down in their lives. Pray that the gospel will be clear coming out of my mouth. Pray to the Holy Spirit. You don't have to pray that the Holy Spirit will come. Pray to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit will speak and convict lives. That's your challenge. The second part of this is for you to invite as many people as possible for next week. At least your two. And and listen, let me make this clear. I don't want your friends who go to a different church. I don't want to bring people from a different church here next week. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. It's going to be fun, but please don't invite your friends to a different, from a different church to come here. This event is geared towards people who don't go to church. So invite as many people as possible to the fall kickoff next week. It's going to be fun. We have inflatables. We have optical course. We have justice so you can knock the poop out of people. And not get in trouble. We have the Velcro ball that is going to be kind of fun, I guess. Bubble soccer, which you can also knock the poop out of people and not get in trouble. A photo booth. You'll get a little picture of yourself. Happy Hut's going to be here. Woohoo! 
We'll have food. We're hoping Highcrest would join us. I'm not sure if they will or not yet. Um, but this is meant to be an outreach. This is meant for us to come and be an outreach. And it's from 5.30 to 8.30, so it's an hour earlier than our normal time. So are you with me? Are you with me in help, helping us take the land? Whether it's Washburn Rural or it's Topeka High or Topeka West or, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have started this, Seaman or Shawnee Heights or whatever it is that you go to. Are you with me in taking the land? Now I believe, <laughs> I believe that if we're faithful to this and we're praying and we're, we're surrounding this place in prayer, that God is going to do something incredible next week. He's going to do something incredible. But we have to have compassion. We have to have determination. We have to have faith. We have to have boldness and courage. So don't think this event is about you. We're simply asking you to invite, invite your two to this really cool thing on Wednesday nights. And I don't want this to be a one-time thing. I want us to have this kind of culture of inviting people. So who are your two? Who are you bringing? Who are you inviting? Let's do this. And you have this card that you probably received when you came in. There's more out on these two tables back here. And these cards are not meant for you. These cards are meant for you to give to someone else. So take more if you want more, but don't take more if you're not going to give them to someone else. So this is a simple, easy way to say, hey, check this thing out. I'd love to see you there. And maybe you have to go pick them up. Don't just invite them and say, oh, if you don't have a ride, too bad. No, offer to pick them up and offer to give them a ride. Let's pray. Hey, band, we're not going to do the last song, so we're going to. Sorry. Um, Jesus, thank you so much for your word tonight. And Jesus, I pray that you will, um, that you just give us the boldness and the courage to go and invite our friends. And God, we pray for all of our friends that's going to hear this invitation this week, that you would just, um, even now as we're praying, that you just give them a receptive um, attitude to come. And God, we pray that you will break down the walls, that you will soften their hearts. God, we love you. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.